Man, is it just me or do y'all appreciate the, the creative folks who throw those things together because they're just always so good, man. I, um, hey, my name is Mark. If you haven't met me, I'd, I'd love to meet you. I'm the executive pastor here and I want to welcome you. And I am uh, big time excited about this series, have been excited for a long time. It's just, it's just a significant, I mean, all, you know, every, I, get, I get jacked for every series that we start to talk about, different passages that we're studying or books that we're studying or whatever topic we're on. But to talk about what we're doing here, I mean, what, what this is really about, why we're in this room, what we're trying to accomplish, uh, why it matters, like that, that question is just, it's just a really big one, you know? We, uh, a lot of us, uh, you may be new, a lot of us, man, we're, we're here together looking at each other every week. We're in small groups together. It's a big chunk of our life. And what are we doing? What's, what's the point? And... I think, uh, you know, coming out of uh, all of the, the pandemic, we, uh, we're asking that question all just personally, the things that we began to add back to our schedule, maybe asking that question at a little bit deeper level, and, um, and I think it needs to be asked here. And so normally on, you know, in the beginning of the school year, when everybody starts to get back into a routine, if you've been around for a while, we'll normally have some sort of series, our big launch, and we'll talk a little bit about what the Grove is about uh, I don't think that maybe there's ever been as big a time to do that as now. But uh, there's a few things I want to get straight before I, before I move into it. And I, I thought about the other day I was watching the movie Castaway. I caught a little bit of that. If you haven't seen it, you probably, most of you probably have. Tom Hanks, he's playing the, the FedEx guy who his plane goes down and he's a castaway on this, on this island. And... Um, he, he left behind this, this girl that he was really tight with, and he's got her picture with him. And the thought of being back together with her is just, is just driving him. And every night he's in that cave, and he's, he's looking at her picture. And, man, his hope to, to be back with her again is really what presses him through. And he does make it back, but by the time he makes it back... She has already remarried, and they've had a funeral and buried him. And he's like, what did y'all put in the coffin? You know, well, we just threw stuff in it. But anyway, uh, so they end up, and then you get to this scene, and this is the part that I picked up on. You get to this scene where he goes to visit her after his return. And he walks into her kitchen, and it's just an awkward moment, right? I mean, he's, he's been gone. The, the girl that he left and the relationship that they had for him, that you know, it, now we're just going to pick up. But now he's realized that she's had to move on. She doesn't know what you know. He doesn't know what her brain state is. You know, what, what's the relationship going to be like? It's all awkward. She says, "Hey, let's. I'll make you make us some coffee." Trying to break up the awkwardness, and you know, like I felt the awkwardness, and like, oh, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. Do something because this is just a tense moment. And I had forgotten because I hadn't seen this movie in forever. His next statement is, "I just want to get something straight." And I felt my, my heart drop, like, oh, man, that just, he just, she was trying to make it less awkward, and he just took it more awkward. Let's get something straight. Now, what is, what is he about to say? I mean, I immediately thought, man, he's going to say, so you just left and went and this other bozo, and you're going to have to leave him because you know, girl, I mean, what, what would I be saying in that moment? Girl, you better get this straight. He said, we got a pro football team, but they're in Nashville. 
<laughs> which just breaks up all the awkwardness, and then they can actually have the conversation. But I, I didn't see that coming. But there was this, there was this moment, like, he's going he's gonna to say, this is something, of all the things that we could potentially talk about right now, this is something that we have to talk about. We need to get straight. And I kind of feel that today as we begin to talk about what, what you belong means. There's just a few things that, that we need to get straight. What, what this is not, right? Um, you belong is not just something that we got painted on the outside of the building, like, like Charlie was talking about last week. If we are going to paint it on the outside of the building, we better really mean it in our, in our hearts. And what does, what does it mean, you belong? No, it means you belong, the, the next person that comes in the door, but it also means you, I, I, I belong. That, that this kingdom and this Jesus that we worship, that he's, he's not the, the cool kid at the high school cafeteria table that only has a few seats next to him and then all the, all the, other, uh, all the other nerds can go sit at another table and I fall in the nerd group. He's, this, this Jesus that we proclaim is one that's got room at the table his table is available for, for me, for you. That, uh, that as Romans 3.23 says, that all of us have sinned against the holy God and have fallen short of his glory. And this Jesus, man, he, he made it possible for us to be included. That's what, what you belong means. That you're welcome at the table. It also is not just something that we decided to, you know, talk about this fall. It's something that the Grove has been about for ever since I've been around. In fact, it's the reason that my family and I chose to, to be a part of this fellowship. Because these are some things that we believe that the Bible reveals about Jesus that are just true. And we want to be about those things too and be a part of a community that believes those things. So it's not a new idea. It's not some uh, church growth strategy that we went to some preacher's conference and picked up last week. I've been to those preacher conferences in the past, and I'll save you the trouble from ever having to go to one. Most of the time, who, whatever church you know, grew in numbers the most the last year, that preacher will be the one that's invited to talk, and he'll tell all the ways, that the, all the strategies that they did and things that they did. And he'll say several times, hey, God did it, we didn't do it, but then he'll give the, the to-do list and everybody write down the to-do list and try to go recreate what happened in that church because everybody's trying to go numbers. This is not a church growth numbers strategy. Do we want to add to our number? Yes, because Jesus is incredible and everybody needs to know him and follow him and find life in him. Yes, that's awesome, but that's, that's not what this is. It's not some sort of a marketing scheme. If we wanted to do that and just be popular, you know, we would speak to, the, to one group and say things that they want to hear and gather together a bunch of people who are all saying the same thing. But like Charlie saying last week, that we believe that the Jesus that is revealed in the scriptures, that he says, man, access to, to God is free. And yet following Jesus will cost you everything. <laughs> that, that's, some groups will say this and some groups will say that. But to say both of those things... That this is a place that you belong and you come in and you find healing, but you don't just stay there. You get better and move on. And he wants to make you into something beautiful from the, from the ashes. He wants to create something beautiful. And so we don't stop, but we move forward. To say both of those things, um, this, this isn't a, a marketing campaign. What it really is, um, on the planet, in your circles, the reputation of Jesus 
let's be honest, there's a lot of things that get tagged to him that just aren't who he really is. I was in a conversation this last week with a, a friend of mine who um, comes from a Muslim background, and he came to faith, and he's, he's trying his best to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus, and he's, he's trying to figure out what it looks like to talk back to his family and friends that are still in a Muslim context, and what does it mean to, to now share Jesus with them? And one of the things that just sticks out to me from that conversation is the obvious point that the issue for, for them, for his friends and family, is not Jesus. They don't have any beef with Jesus. They're interested in learning more about Jesus. But it's all the things that have been tagged to Jesus by those who claim to follow him that they can't get over. What you belong is, is, is us trying to really write some of the reputation and let's talk about who Jesus really is and how Jesus really works. And what does it mean to be fully devoted to him in community? What does that mean? And one of those big things is that Jesus talks a whole lot about the kingdom. We talk about, uh, we talk about it in different ways. We talk about church. We talk about community. But it's rare that we use this word kingdom. I think we're a little bit afraid of the word king. <laughs> We love to talk about how Jesus loves, but we, sometimes we get a little skittish to talk about how he's authoritative and he's the king. I love our series that we just finished on his commands. It's, it's, it's us looking at him and realizing that he has the authority to say some things and for us to say, yes, sir, and to obey and to follow. That's what it means to be his, his follower. Um, I, I honestly, I mean, I grew up around church and things, but I, I didn't hear people talking about the kingdom very much. And um, when I got to college, my career path, I wasn't planning to be a preacher guy. Uh, in fact, I, that's the one thing I didn't want to be. And if you, if you know me very well, if you ever try to call me Pastor Mark, that, that, that's a no-no. That's a no, no. Don't, don't do that. And, um, but what happened, this guy started to try to help me grow. And uh, he, you know, we went through the gospel at a deeper level. And I really started to realize this, who this Jesus was and what he had done and, and what it meant to follow him. And, um, and as we did that, then I started sharing those things with other guys, guys on my football team, guys in the dorm, and um, guys that I'd gotten to know, and, and they also started to, to want to follow him more deeply. And so when it came time to graduate, I, I went on the same ministry staff with, with this other guy that had been helping me. And on the campus that I, that I was working on, there was another ministry. In fact, there was just one other ministry um, because it was a private school, and the guy that led that ministry, he just did not like me. I mean, I'm not just talking just a little bit didn't like me. He, didn't, he did not like me. Like when he would walk past me, he gave me that stank eye every single time. And I really didn't know why, but I was just kind of letting it go. It made me a little angry, but, you know, it made me kind of build up. I've got that competitive nature. I'm like, I'll show you, man. We're going to, yeah, our ministry is going to outgrow your ministry. You'll see what's fixing to happen here. And which is horrible, but it, but it was true. That was down in me. And, um, but then I started to hear that he was talking smack behind my back. And that's when I was like, we ain't, we ain't doing this. So one moment of uh, maybe some wisdom, I went, instead of going directly to him, I went to my boss and I said, hey, we need to have a, a throwdown with him and his boss because we got to fix this. So we end up in his office, and I just kept my mouth shut, but my heart was about to beat out of my chest. And when I get mad in those situations, I try to rub my, my, my big toe through the bottom of my shoe. Um, yeah, I can, right now I'm doing it, and like I can touch the floor. But anyway, 
Um, he started talking, and he's like, hey, why are you so angry at Mark? What is it? He said, man, I'll come into the commons area down there, and he'll be down there at the table with another guy, and they'll have their Bibles open, and they'll be studying the Bible and praying together, and just makes me mad. Man, I thought, I thought that's what we were supposed to do. And so my friend said, well, what, what is it about that that makes you bad? He said, because that's, that's what I want to do, but my responsibility with our ministry is to have these big events and do these things. I'm always planning. I'm always up in my office, and I never get to do that. But he gets to do it every day. It just makes me mad. And at um, that point, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't even sure quite what to think about that. But my friend said, man, it sounds to me like... We're talking about like two ministries in competition instead of talking about this as us all being in one kingdom working together for the same purpose. And when he said that, even though I'd heard people talk about the kingdom before, it's the first time that I thought about, oh, oh yeah, me and this guy, we're, on the, we're in the same family. You know, one of the things that we don't do much around here, and I'm not saying that we do, but call each other brother and sister and all that. <laughs> But one thing that happens when I've been around people who do that, it does remind me, oh, yeah, you're my brother. We're a part of the same family. Now, we may disagree on a whole lot of things. We may not even like each other. But tell you what, we got something that unites us. We're in the same family. We're in the same kingdom together. And, um, and so ever since then, I've, I've thought about that, you know, when different churches talk about uh, well, this church is doing that or that church is doing that or people on, even on the other side of the world or things that, that we disagree about. And there's one thing that's true. If we've turned from our sin, we've trusted in Jesus, we've, we've experienced his redemption in life. We're in his kingdom, and we're together. And um, evidently, the kingdom idea was a really big deal to Jesus, which is one of the reasons that I'm surprised we don't, we don't talk about it more. In fact, um, John the Baptist, you know, kind of paving the way for Jesus when he was teaching uh, Matthew chapter 3, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And what did he come preaching? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. Heaven has come near to you. Repent. Change direction. Yield to the king and this this kingdom, on this broken planet with sin and all of the junk, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come near. But it wasn't just this wild man uh, out, out in the desert, right? Look, Jesus, uh, Matthew chapter 4, when it describes what Jesus came preaching, it says, and from that time Jesus began to preach. And what did he begin to preach? What was his message? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> Again, same, same thing. He's saying the, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Take notice. The kingdom of God is here. Then Jesus says to his disciples, Matthew chapter 10, and you guys, you go proclaim saying the kingdom of heaven <laughs> is at hand. There seems to be some kind of theme here like this. This is what we're supposed to be about. This is what the kingdom has come, has come near. He, he told us in Matthew chapter 6, when we pray, to pray that the kingdom would come. 
And then for description of that, it's like the, the kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what, what heaven looks like under the, uh, the reign and rule and authority of King Jesus and where things are just and right and holy, that, praying that that would come on the planet. And then when it comes on the planet, there would be these pockets of the kingdom, and we would be able to proclaim the kingdom of God under the reign and rule of Jesus. Where things are right, it's come near to you, and you can experience it because of what he did. The kingdom of God. And then, and this, this is a verse for me that just kind of stops the discussion and all the debate about when the end times are happening, when Jesus is going to come back, because he clearly said, Matthew chapter 24, and this gospel, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, all the ethnic groups, and then the end will come. Which, if you don't know, there's a lot of ethnic groups today that still stand uh, outside of that proclamation. So that's what we're about, (laughs) proclaiming the kingdom. Just like he told his disciples, just like Jesus modeled for us, just like he told us to pray, this is what we're doing. We're proclaiming and bringing the kingdom of heaven near. That's what we're doing in this room today. This is a pocket of the kingdom gathered together in allegiance to a king who has redeemed us. His kind of community on this planet, this broken planet, a redeemed community, is inclusive. It's known for, for who it includes, not who it excludes, right? For what it, what it unifies it, not what divides it. In fact, I, just to give a kind of a, a picture of what heaven might look like, because uh, I don't know if this happens to you, but I've been... Because of everything that's been going on, it just seems like lately I've been confronted with death more than I have in a long time. And funerals and things like that. And it's always at those places that as much as I try to keep in mind that, that eternity matters, it's just so easy to get caught up in, in the things of today, right? And to get busy and to, and to lose sight of it. And then all of a sudden on your schedule, there's a, a funeral. And you walk into that place and then you realize, you're reminded again, something we all know that death is coming, but we're reminded, oh, yeah, we don't, we don't live forever. Oh, yeah, eternity does matter. And then people will start to talk about heaven. <laughs> Sometimes things that people say about heaven, you know, theology is kind of crazy. And, uh, and I, I'm like, oh, man, that's interesting. I don't know where you picked that up. But it is the place that everybody starts to talk about. What, what might heaven be like? Well, there are some things, uh, I, don't, I don't know that the Bible is crazy descriptive about what it's going to be like. I, I think there are a lot of things that we can learn. But one big thing, uh, Revelation chapter 7 gives us this picture of what it looks like. Bring heaven on earth, that, that bringing heaven on earth, that it should look like this. It says that after this I looked and behold a multitude that no one could number. Does that sound pretty inclusive? <laughs> Uh, a number, uh, you can't even get a calculator out and calculate it up. It's that big of a number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, basically every, everything that could possibly divide us, all those walls have fallen. That's the kind of kingdom that Jesus has. 
and all that number is included. And what are they all doing? What are we doing? We're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, Jesus, the, the one that was sacrificed for us, our King, with white robes because we've been made clean in his blood, because we've been forgiven, with palm branches in their hands. And we'll, we'll look at the rest of it here in a minute, giving worship unto him. So all those things that might divide us, gone. This group of people that's mixed together with all kinds of different opinions and thoughts and things and a lot of things that they disagree on. But Jesus has opened the door, blown the doors off the place. And now they're all together and they've got all of their attention given to him. That's what the kingdom looks like. Not known for what divides us, but... What unites us, uh, you belong, is a kingdom, not a clique mentality. It's not a bunch of people getting together that all agree about everything and that like hearing each other talk about all the different things, but it's a group of people that may disagree and may not even, I say this, I mean, like, wouldn't necessarily get, get along together, but they're brothers and sisters and they're part of the kingdom, and so they, they are together, um, not just friends, but family. And, you know, there's a lot of topics I could talk about that, that divide us. I mean, man, take your pick. But, uh, but I want to go next level with this for a minute because we're talking about tribes and tongues and nations. So if we start thinking globally, because guess what? You've probably heard this said before, but, you know, somebody's talking about somebody they don't like, but both people are, you know, people who, who believe in Jesus. And somebody will say, well, you better get used to it because you're going to be in heaven with them. You better just deal with it, right? Well, there's, that's one of those statements about heaven that, that's true. You're going to look over that, to that person next to, to you in the white robes and realize, oh, man, we disagreed about a whole lot of things. But guess what? He, he's here, too. She, she, she made it, too. How, how did that work out? Because Jesus is good. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that through this last few years that really hit us hard, right, we ran out of toilet paper. I mean, the travesty. I mean, we, we had a major issue. I mean, we, we, were, we were, I mean, like, we're not going to make it. We got to go to the store and stockpile up because what, what would we do if we didn't have those little sheets of thin paper that were the perfect amount of softness right there beside the toilet? I mean, would we survive? Now, you guys do realize that there's a huge number of people on the planet who don't need toilet paper, and they make it just fine. They don't use it. In fact, they think that we are a filthy people of the West, and it's a filthy habit that we have that we would actually use paper for that purpose. And they're going to be beside you in heaven. What are you going to do with that? By the way, these people also, I mean, I know it hurts a little bit, but they, they also think the, the practice of putting carpet on your floor in your house is just gross. All of the dust that falls on it and, you, you know, skin, I mean, it's all in there in the carpet. And you can't, I mean, you can run a vacuum over it, but can you really get it clean? And then you lay on it and stuff, and, man, that's just gross. Or you would have a bathtub, you'd fill it up with water, and then you would clean yourself, and then just sit there in your filth? Gross. Or the worst of all, which is hard this weekend, that you would take the corpse of a dead animal, and you would 
you know, burn it, and then you would eat the flesh. That's gross. How could you do that? <laughs> Those people are going to be beside you in heaven. Right? We disagree. There's a lot of things that we could disagree on. But there's one thing that we do agree on. That this Jesus is king. And he has all of our attention. And so this isn't a clique where we choose the things and, and try to gather together all the people that say the same things that we say and agree on all the topics that, as we th- think they ought to be agreed upon. And we all look at each other and smile and say, man, you're right, you're right. Woohoo! No. This should be a room that represents people with a lot of different opinions and viewpoints and the tribes, the tongues, the nations in this room. And I, I know that immediately when we say that, we talk about, we, sometimes we talk about ethnicity or race or things like that. I'm just talking about differences among us, a small group, a small group, which is the place that you begin to really interact and see the kingdom of heaven present. That small group should be a group of people who don't necessarily agree on everything. The point isn't that we all like each other and are, are hunky-dory friends. You can do that. Other pla- The kingdom represents this uh, diversity that's united under one King Jesus. We're not a clique. And um, one big picture that I, uh, I see of that, there's a, a moment when Jesus gets really mad that everybody likes to to bring up, you know, when he starts turning the tables over. Y'all remember that scene? And I always heard that scene, kind of the way that it was taught. He came into that place, and they were, uh, there were some shady business dealings, and that made him angry, and so he was flipping the tables. But if you go back and look at it in Mark chapter 11, look at what it says. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. So he was, they, they were blocking off that area, and he didn't allow them to do that. And he was teaching them, saying to them from Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, which if you go back there, it's real clear what he's trying to talk about. He says, is it not written that my house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? So what's happening there, that area that they've set up shop in to sell sacrifices, and they are being shady in those dealings, but they have blocked off the Gentiles, the non-Jewish nations, from coming and giving their worship to the one true God. And that area was set aside for that, and they are blocking off the other peoples. They are putting up barriers that would keep them from being able to worship. And he says, no, and that's the thing that gets Jesus riled up. So that should be the thing that gets us riled up. I don't know whose team you want to be on, but I want to be on Team Jesus. And if that gets, if that gets Jesus riled up, then I want that to get me riled up. I want to be a place that wants to make it open. You belong. Then the other statement uh, that I think is, is big, you belong is a, a kingdom, not a club mentality. And I've been a part of, of clubs, I'm sure you have, and there's something that unites a group of people. You know, it's usually something pretty fleeting, you know, a, a sport that you like to play together or a thing that you like to do. And some of them have some more significance to that than that, something that we're trying to accomplish. But the thing that unites us here is that we're united under this king that has redeemed us. And he has all of our attention. Look again in Revelation chapter 7. This group of people that no one could count from every tribe, tongue, and nation, they're crying out in a loud voice. They are unified together, and they're saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
They are united in recognizing that they are broken and helpless and that Jesus is the only hope. The only hope for me, the only hope for you, the only hope for us, the only hope for the planet. That he would bring his kingdom up on this planet is the answer and the hope. That's it. And so they're united in the big thing that unites Again, we want to be known for the things that unite us, not for the things that divide us. We are united under King Jesus and what he has done and what he wants to do. And we want to be a part of that with him. Uh, one more quick story. I, it's another passage that I love, Jesus' first miracle. You know, he, uh, he turns the water to wine at the wedding, which is just, there's just a lot of things about that to like. I mean, Jesus bringing the wine to the party, is, that's pretty awesome. Uh, there's a lot of things you learn about him. He's invited to the wedding. So, so you know, you think about Jesus kind of walking on a cloud with flowing blonde hair. Well, that's not the truth. Here he is. He's with the people, and he gets invited to the wedding. He goes to the wedding with his friends. He's, having, he's at the wedding having fun. The family runs out of wine, and that matters. Matters to his mother. It, it matters to Jesus that this family, there's... Social, social suicide, you know, the, the whole community's come together for this wedding and then they've run out of wine. Uh, that his mom says, hey, Jesus, you solved this problem. That she knows that he can. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. That she demands it. You see this interaction between him and his mama, I think is really interesting. Uh, he says, you know, it's not really my time to, to really start doing miracles and things. And, but then she, you know, she pretty much insists and he moves ahead and then he he turns the water to wine. And the one big thing about that, that he cares about this family and all of that's beautiful. But in that situation, which comes up again, all the miracles represent this, but this is just a good first snippet. The only way this problem is going to get solved is if Jesus solves it. If he says, no, I'm not going to do it well, then there's not going to be any wine because they ran out of wine and you can't just make wine real quick in the microwave. It's done. Party's over. But Jesus steps up and says, all right, I will enter into this and fix the problem. But all eyes are on him because he's the only one that can solve it. That's what a, com a kingdom community is. We, we gather together and and what are we, we looking to? We're looking to one another to come up with answers to problems. I was with a, a group the other day, some, some friends of mine who um, don't necessarily believe in Jesus. And they were trying to solve a problem. And they were all giving their answers and opinions about the problem. And I sat there and just listened and thought to myself, man, these answers have no power. I would walk away from this table hopeless, more hopeless than I came if I didn't know that there is a Jesus who has answers to these issues. But he's the only one. He's the one we look to. We're out of wine. Who, 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 Jesus, you can, you, I don't know if any, she didn't even know what he was going to do. But somehow he's, he can fix this situation and make wine up here when there is none. Y'all, that's the reason that uh, being a part of a small group is such a huge deal because the, the Grove Church is not just an event that happens on Sunday morning. And if the kingdom of God is going to come near, it's going to be when people get together, giving all of their attention to King Jesus. Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. And looking to Him to answer the questions of life and the problems that we face that only He, he has the power and the wisdom to do.
That's what it is. And a small group may be folks that are in the same season of life that you are and see things similar that lead to the, the, see life similarly to you, but they may not. They may not. I mean, evidently there's some diversity that happens here, but the thing that unites us is this King Jesus and what he's done and what he wants to do. Um, I believe that that's who the, the Grove is becoming, who, who we want to be. Again, this is the reason that my family is here. And so as we move uh, through this series and the more that we talk about it, man, I don't want you just to walk in that door outside and see you belong on the wall and immediately be, be thinking about the next person. I do. I hope that I do. I'm always thinking about the open chair at the table. But I can't do that without remembering that I also belong. That this Jesus and his salvation, I needed it. I need it as much as anybody else that's going to walk in those doors. And that total dependence on him, that total attention to our king, that's the thing that brings us together. That's our kingdom. Let me, let me pray for us.